0: Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause, where we talk about this time of life, mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. Each week, I'm joined by top professionals dropping their tips and advice. Remember, episodes drop every Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you, because this helps others to find the show. You can check out our website, Find out which episodes are coming up and get the latest blogger advice by going to my website, ThriveThroughMenopause.com and get ready to thrive, not just survive, through perimenopause and beyond. Welcome to this episode of Thriving Through Menopause with me, Clarissa. I am super excited to be joined by fellow TCM practitioner,
1: Xiaming Zhu, today. Welcome to the show, Xiaming. Such a pleasure to be here. Hello, everybody, and hello to Marisa. Yes. I mean, you are the founder and CEO of Kun, which is
0: a well-being or a wellness brand that's rooted in Chinese medicine. You've had a long career as a celebrated longevity economist, and now you are training in TCM, particularly around herbal medicine, which I know we're going to dive into. And You come from a lineage of Chinese medicine practitioners. Your father is an extremely well-known doctor of Chinese medicine, and you have online and a big clinic in northern China, too. So fantastic
1: oh thank you so much yes it's um i am very privileged to be both a data-driven economist and also a chinese medicine practitioner uh my father started his clinic almost 45 years ago so it's like uh he's a like you said he's an extremely well-known chinese medicine doctor who specializes in herbal treatment customized herbal treatment so we're very pleased to incorporate that in Quinn's practice in uh, North America, where we see patients virtually and then we uh, deliver customized herbal treatment to them. So, yeah,
0: yeah, and I know you, like me, are passionate about women's health. Yeah, I mean, where does that come from? Is that just from your own personal interest or from observations that you've
1: seen over the years? I think. You know, different from Western medicine, where we all know that the study of women really didn't come until like roughly 100 years ago, right? The invention of uh, C-section surgery started, you know, roughly 100 years ago. Chinese medicine has 2,500 years of history in studying uh, women. Um, You know, uh, ancient China, although being a very conservative, uh, you know, entity really cares about women's well-being. And we study thoroughly on women's health from when women are just girls to we follow, out their, we follow through their whole life and study really their health journey. So that to me, growing up in my father's clinic um, when I was a young child, myself was fascinating. And then combining with my expertise in longevity economics, Economics, which so much is about what happens to both women and men after we turn 50, because when you're 50, you're still young. You have like half a life ahead of you. What happens to us health-wise? So to me, seeing data, economics data and health data from one end and having the firsthand experience of seeing how this gets treated in Chinese medicine uh, is fascinating.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. I mean, longevity is what I associate with Northern Asia, with China and the countries around it, and a respect for people as they age, rather than a Western view, which is like, well, you're over 50, preferably we'd like you to disappear in a a youth-focused culture. And you're so right. It's 2,500 years of focus on women's health. I mean, you know, it's phenomenal and it's deep as well, isn't it, Jiang Ming? It's not yeah. just sort of, yeah, we know about it. It's deep and specific.
1: Yeah, I think the approach is really different. Ultimately, like my father would like to say, Chinese medicine is about helping people, right? It's not a medicine like Western medicine. It's based on anatomy. Anatomy is, well, for good and bad, is a dead being right so it has its advantages in some ways but when it comes to women's health in particular we really have to take a holistic view because how once menstruation in their 20s teenage years 20s 30s how you sleep how you eat how your mood has been really really this determine your health outcome during your menopause or even well after that so it's really a lifelong journey and Me, as an economist, I would call this longitudinal data, which even in science is really the most precious and valuable data one can get because you follow through a same person's journey as they age, and it's a really precious thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love that. I love that sort of sense that we're we're seeing each age as having its uh, importance and that what we do in one stage you know, flows through to how the next stage evolves. What I love as well is that Chinese medicine talks about the stages of women do you want to talk a little bit more about that, Xiaomi? Because I'm sure my listeners
1: are not as familiar oh. <laughs> about what we mean by that. You so, know? <laughs> so in, a, in a sense, what Chinese medicine has observed throughout history is once every seven years, we have a milestone, biologically speaking, as women in terms of our health outcome. So, for example... Uh, When you reach, you know, ancient people 2,500 years ago, know that by the age of 35, uh, you start hitting a milestone in your age where your productivity starts dipping. And it took Western medicine only, I think, in the past 20 years to really prove that. So once every five years is really, uh, once every, I'm sorry, seven years is really what in Chinese medicine we consider as you need to do you need to do different things, whether it comes to qigong, which Risa is an expert in, or when it comes to apps to really nourish and replenish you so you don't face how a uh, negative health outcome uh, and then try to react to it. Because Chinese medicine fundamentally is really a prevention medicine.
0: Yeah, and that's that is the critical difference for the listeners that it's always traditionally been about keeping people well not treating illness which is the opposite yes. isn't it to western medicine we yes. treat symptoms and illnesses in chinese
1: medicine you're trying to empower the person to stay well yeah because i always tell all my uh you know clients in my private practice that this is not about keeping you on uh, the herbs forever it's really about you know, nourishing you, correcting the imbalance you have in your body so you can be empowered to be on your own and be well. That's really the whole point of it. It's not about replacing your Western medicine with a Chinese medicine and be on it forever. It's a completely different concept, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, it it is a concept that is quite hard because I think we hear in the West, you know, you have a medication and then you just on it and you up the dosage of it whereas when you go to a chinese medicine, if you go to an acupuncturist or a herbalist you might only go a few times to correct the imbalance and then you might not need to go for ages um again if the imbalance is corrected or some other imbalance occurs it's very long lasting the the impact of it
1: yeah i think you're so right but you know unfortunately in our society like i live in north america that we work and overwork. So we wait until the last minute when your symptoms are so severe, so debilitating, and then you come to see someone. Then if that's the case, then likely you'll be on the Chinese medicine or even the case of Western medicine for a long time. When really, I think in our societies, we are not really aware of what signs to look for, like early warning signs to look for so you can seek prevention on time.
0: Yeah, that's very true. I mean, when we go back to menopause and you're saying really 35, that is the sort of time when we should be starting to make changes, isn't it, Xiaoming?
1: Yeah, I think that's very true. You know, among my father's patients, he has usually 40 to 60 patients a day in China, which is crazy. Um, we use a different method uh, to see patients here in the States where it takes us an hour just to do the consultation. And I have observed from my own clients that so many people start showing menopausal signs a decade earlier than statistical you know, average age, which means that you're not supposed to really have symptoms in your 30s, but many people do now. I think a lot of it has to do with the demanding society. We live in the anxiety of mothers, you know, in North America here, unfortunately, you know, different from Scandinavia, Europe, there really isn't that much of social protection or social welfare, so to speak. So people feel that they can't relax. They feel that they have to keep going. So in a sense that they prioritize work and making money because they have to, because that's the only way forward. But really they kind of ignore a lot of warning signs of their bodies. So um I think on average I would say thirty-five is absolutely the time when you have to like assess where you're at health wise as a woman to prepare your health, you know, moving forward.
0: Yeah, well I would agree with that because even Western understanding now of hormones is beginning to show yeah. that you know, we're seeing a fluctuating and decline of hormones starting at 35. Yeah. But when I say that to people or I reach out to people, they say, well, I've just had a baby. What are you talking about? I couldn't <laughs> possibly be anywhere near perimenopause. And I'm saying, well, you are and you should be thinking about it. But that's, I think there's a rejection. I don't know, me, I think it comes from a fear of aging. I mean, what would your view be on that?
1: I think... You know, it's interesting. As one of the world's youngest longevity economists, um, many people ask me that why you pick a field that's for old people. And I said, well, I think that's ages in the first place. I don't see age. When we talk about the word aging, it's really an evolving process. It's just, it's not that you finish this part of your life and then you immediately move on to the others. I like to see it as, if life is like a book, you're simply at different chapters, right? So you're not a completely different person or well, this is a completely different book. Most importantly, I do feel the culture in the Western culture where we focus so much on, we equate basically youth with enthusiasm, with spending power. So in a sense, people mistake that as youth is the best once you pass your 20s or something you're no longer that important to society as a spender actually statistically speaking economics that's wrong people over 50 are actually the biggest spender in the us Uh, i'm sure data in europe will be will prove that also to a certain extent so our society's concept of what aging is is really very limited and damaging Yeah, and it's
0: damaging, isn't it, for women who are going through menopause to
1: to be labelled like this? Yeah, I think unfortunately the society feels that you, we as women, only have value when we are still fertile. I find that shocking, given that that seemed to reveal the view that society holds for like thousands of years, but yet despite the massive transformation of women, this hasn't really changed. So this is really a primitive view and is really detrimental, I think, for societal civilization as a whole.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I totally agree. And I think there are women beginning to say something different, but it's...
1: Not the mainstream conversation yet. Yeah, I think unfortunately the old culture of women suffering silently is still what's expected of us. I remember in the old days, yeah. you know, like, um, you know, in the old days, people will say that, oh, if you are on menstruation, you're unclean, you should just not be with other people to during confinement after you just give to the birth or you should stay away from people and now with menopause it's like you should just disappear from society so what are we saying what are women's value are we only valuable if we you know produce children i think that is such a limited and detrimental view and i just hope that we can just move past that because women are so much more amazing than that (laughs) absolutely but in china that or
0: in the chinese tradition that's not the way it goes is it i mean that's not how we view it it's viewed as women have these stages that they go through and each has value in that stage
1: yes i think you know um because chinese medicine really sees healing as a life journey we don't see it as a one piece at this point in time and actually one of the reasons why i'm so fascinated in chinese medicine um other than you know obvious my 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 my, uh relationship with medicine is that it is so similar to what we consider as longitudinal data in health economics where you follow the same person throughout their life there is nothing more valuable than that because you see a person's transformation throughout a period of time. Yes. And that's essentially Chinese view, Chinese medicine's view of health. And in particular, when it comes to women's health, because of menstruation determines of a, so many other aspects of our health outcome in life. Uh, menopause is a phase, just like other things in life. It's yeah. a phase. It doesn't it shouldn't define just what we are. Women have so many more multifaceted identities.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think you've said something there that you follow a woman. Because in Chinese medicine, our menopause experience is deeply personal, isn't it? Even if you and I have the same symptoms, we are Our root cause, the journey
1: we've come on is different. I'm correct in that. You're so correct. And I'm so glad you say that, which is why I am always so annoyed whenever there is a product in the market in, in the U.S. where it says, this will sort out all your hot flashes. Not every single woman has the same symptom. In fact, you know, even generally speaking, there are two kinds of menopauses in Chinese medicine. One is the young type, which is the more known in upper mainstream society, where you have the hot flashes, you have the irritability and all of that. But there yeah. is a yin type of menopause, which is less known. So for women who feel, oh, I think I belong, like I don't have the same symptoms as my other friends. That probably means you have the yin type of menopause, which... The more pronounced symptom is actually depression and chronic fatigue. Yes. So, yeah. And also there are symptoms just in between. Every woman is different. And I think what society needs to realize and really needs to acknowledge is the fact that every woman has its unique value. And house care should manifest that, should cater to that. Which is why at Quinn, we only do customized herbal medication, uh, herbal yeah. treatment. Because... Everyone should get their own different type of formula. Exactly. And I think you hit on something really
0: true that sometimes what we get as well in the description by Western people, me being one of them, but but I see they want to then say, oh, well, uh, menopause is kidney deficiency. And I mean, I know in my studies that that isn't actually correct. 100% because you can be yang deficient you can be yin and yang deficient exactly different ways
1: (laughs) exactly exactly I think that you know there is really this culture in western society especially in north america where we feel that oh one pill fit all right this is really a western approach where we say It's like a few years back, uh, probiotic is all the rage. And it says, so long as you have digestive problems, you should take probiotic. Now, what does that leave people who who feel that probiotic doesn't help them? Or in this case, your menopause pill doesn't help them. It's not that they're outcasts of the society. It's just that we're all different and people have different symptoms. And I think in Chinese medicine that we really celebrate that uniqueness of each individual.
0: Yeah, uh, totally. And and the history with which you got to that point is really important because the underlying reasons why you're there are completely different, even if the symptom in Western terms shows up in the same light. I mean, we could also have chi stagnation we, uh, in in a different organ in the body that's got really nothing to do with the main menopause organ, which is the kidneys. Or you could have, you could your spirit could be not housed very well. So there's there's so many different angles to this that go beyond just purely the physical, because there's an emotional and, and spiritual component too.
1: Yeah. So there are two things I want to mention. I so agree with you on that. Is that Chinese medicine is one of the oldest medicine that connect your mental well being with your internal organ health. In fact, each internal organ has a specific connection to a specific emotion. So for example, like you mentioned, cheese stagnation is connected to the liver, uh, so liver meridian or liver organ, and that's connected okay. to anger. So that's really deeply connected to PMS symptoms, for example, for women yeah. when they are still having menstruation. And those are really key questions we ask in Chinese medicine consultation where for example, in our own yeah. consultation, I will have to ask you about your history of menstruation, your pregnancy, and your delivery, because all of these will then determine your menopause. Like you said early on, like if you were extremely qi yeah. and blood deficient, probably from having had uh, four kids in four years, then likely your menopausal symptoms are all going to be very different from a person who's never had children. So those are all important yeah. women experience that we incorporate in Chinese medicine and in our consultations.
0: Yes. I mean, that, that's very true for people to understand if you've never been to a Chinese medicine practitioner, how many questions they ask <laughs> you. that they, The consultation is, is about you as a person, the things you like to do, your relationships, your food, your history, not just your medical history, but lots of things about you as a person so that it's you start even some of your food food preferences things that things you crave you know really detailed things and you think what's that got to do with my menopause but it's got everything to show you the root causes hasn't it yeah
1: that's totally true and actually i was told by many of my clients that I ask a lot of questions, but I will always explain to you why I ask a specific question, right? Because I think Chinese medicine is so holistic that sometimes it comes as a surprise to people. That I want, if you have, for example, um, like suddenly start having like armpit odor all of a sudden. What does that have to do with your heart meridian health? It has everything to do with it, right? Yes. But because that's where the heart meridian begins. So, but so, yes, always ask questions. I encourage people when you go into a Chinese medicine consultation, it's a vibe you will get from the practitioner and see whether you vibe well with the practitioner because. Just like yeah. in house economics where subjective health info is so relevant and important to us, it's the same in Chinese medicine.
0: Exactly. I think and it's a relationship between you and the practitioner that that is part of the process of getting well because my understanding and what I do when obviously I put together qigong practices and food, you know, sort of things for my clients is For us to work in partnership, I want them to be empowered and want to work with me so that they'll then follow those things through at home because actually the consultation sort of only begins inside our clinics. It carries on when the person takes the medication and works with it.
1: Yeah, I think also that I always gave a personalized behavior change plan at the end of the one hour consultation. Because behaviors are so important, right? Like ultimately, you are the person who is going to make that change. If I tell you don't drink ice water and you're still drinking ice water when I give you a bunch of like, um, you know, young tonifying eggs, it won't work because you're just flushing down my effort down the drain, right? So ultimately, <laughs> yeah. it, has, it is a commitment, but I think it also has to come with a lot of trust, uh, which can't be forced, which is why I, I I talk about like why there has to be a vibe and trust you have with the practitioner. So if their distrust isn't there, then you should consider changing a different person. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Definitely, and I think sometimes the things we ask people in the West to do seem strange to them. I mean, ice water is a great one. I mean, there's a there's a really good Chinese medicine reason why, but. We're asking people to make quite significant changes sometimes to eating patterns, to routines throughout the day that are rooted in good commons in centuries, millennia of knowledge. But they seem very different, don't they?
1: Yeah, but I think there is a greater acceptance of this. I see among my own clients, actually, especially since COVID, because everyone now realizes that... I think this definitely rings true, especially when it comes to women's health, is that women have statistically more health challenges compared to men. We know that. For yes. example, women are twice yes. more likely to get long COVID compared to men, according to the newest research right. by North Eastern University. In Chinese medicine, we've yes. always known that. The issue is because how Western medicine has been. A lot of women are now scared of describing their symptoms because they have been told by their doctors that, oh, you're just dreaming it, or this is really nothing. But I want women to maintain that honesty and that honest relationship with their body and know that with the right practitioner, you should be able to explain your symptoms, no matter how weird or chronic it is. In fact, with at Quinn, you know, we are very proud of focusing on chronic conditions and weird conditions because in many cases in Chinese medicine we know right Clarissa like why you will have this weird rib tension in between your ribs that's because of liver chi and blood stagnation yeah in the western medicine medicine case people will just say oh is it good or is it you ate too much or like something didn't sit right and so it's really important I think that you remain that honesty with yourself and then tell your practitioner about it. Yeah,
0: I I totally agree. And I think that also requires helping our clients, our, our, our patients to be more aware of their own bodies. And that's something yeah. I think that's a yeah. missed connection yeah. because we're often in a world where we're not listening because we said we were over busy. And our brains are like, sh, up, we're up in our heads. And there's too much yang in our society as it is and too much yang yeah. inside most of our own bodies. And so we don't listen to the body. So it is really important to help people to ground and tune in so they can have more honest
1: conversation. I think that's so important. I think like in terms of prevention, that's really the best you can do for yourself. Yeah, for example, that women are so much, have a lot more risk to develop arthritis later in age compared to men. And we, unfortunately, because of our biology, have it in the worst possible places. We have them on the hands or on the feet, which then really render women, um, you know, make like, which is really difficult for women to have a good movement house later in life, which then make us house right? So whenever people ask me and say, oh, what are you talking about? Women at least live five years longer than men. I'm like, have you ever asked or think, how did did they really spend the last five years of their life? Like, what is really the quality of their so-called longevity? I think that's really the key thing that all women need to think about is that you owe it to yourselves you take care of yourselves we've gone through centuries of struggles to get to where we are that now we can work now we can get a decent education we need to be more ambitious and we really need to take care of ourselves so we can really have good quality of life
0: yes definitely and so if a woman was in her mid to late 30s and she came to you Ming, yeah I mean, obviously, it's an individual consultation in terms of symptoms, but what would be some of your core advice to that person? Oh,
1: you know, it's funny. I was just recording uh, Instagram reels about what's the most important thing in Chinese medicine for women at different (laughs) ages. I think for the 30s, my advice was actually to watch out something called chronic fatigue. Oh, actually, no, chronic fatigue and digestion health. In fact, you know this, in Chinese medicine, chronic fatigue is usually due to digestion deficiency. Yes. Uh, But most people don't know that. So they're very confused when I ask them, well, how do you eat? That's when they are like, oh, I actually go through all day without feeling hungry. I'm like, well, there it is, your root cause for 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 your chronic fatigue. I think that digestive yeah. health is important for everybody at all ages, but it's fundamental for women in their 30s. Because without that, you will have chronic fatigue. You likely will have a very irregular period. You might have symptoms like yes. you bleed for days on the end. And you would just have brain fog to like low sex drive. Like, you know, the list oh, goes yes. on and on. So, yeah, that would be the biggest yeah. thing I would say like people should check.
0: Yes, absolutely, and I think that often we're thinking that's related to stress, stress, which of course there are elements of that. But our, we're learning. I think what we're learning in parallel is Chinese medicine has always known this. Now we know more about things like the gut, the gut microbiome, yeah. and the gut brain connection. We're beginning to understand that the hormone systems cause the gut to slow down and not function as well. So you know in a sense the science is catching up so we can we can tell our clients in terms they probably heard on the internet what what's going on but at the same time we understand the root cause of this is yes you rightly said the the whole sort of digestive system the large and small intestines as well as things like spleen deficiency
1: yeah it's Mm. totally true and also our sense of the temperature i think In Scandinavia, you guys are so aware of this. But unfortunately, when it comes to America, especially a place like California, when I ask the question, so are you sensitive to the cold? I no longer ask that question, by the way, because people don't understand that here. (laughs) Right. Everyone is running around in shorts, even when it's like, you know, 10 degrees outside. Is that we have to be more in tune for women in particular to be Thinking about these questions, like, are your hands cold very easily? Are your feet cold all the time? Are you wearing very, like a mini skirt when you go out in the middle of the night to go dancing? And do you get sick then mm. immediately after? Those are really key questions we need to think about. Yes. And and are you keeping
0: your kidneys warm? I mean, (laughs) and keeping the wind out, you know, it's me with my coat pulled to my knees and my uh, And it's right. And I see that a lot in the UK having been born there and you've lived there. I mean, people, girls going out in the, in the night, in the winter with (laughs) no thing on their legs and, 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 and midriff showing. And I'm like, Oh, a Swedish person goes, What? Cover up.
1: <laughs> I know, I always find it fascinating how everyone managed to look so fashionable in Scandinavia, yet they are wrapped up like really well. Um, oh yeah. I think that's really a challenge. Like I challenge everyone to you know to do in, in the in North <laughs> America is like you can actually be fashionable also in the winter. But wrap, definitely wrap up warm. Yeah.
0: But wrapped up warm. But I think that's right. I mean and if women were slightly older and came to Jianming, I mean, what do we see in the, fort- in the 40s and 50s as being some of the, the, the more common things that women should look out
1: for that they expe- are experiencing? So I think in the 40s, I would say there are so many more important things. But if I must pick one thing, I would say sleep. You and I both know yeah. in Chinese medicine... How you replenish yin, which is the essence of women's being, is by sleeping. Yes. How many women in their 40s are getting more than six hours of sleep? Well, not many. Certainly not in the States, right? right? We are overworking. When children go to bed, we're still doing more work. Being productive and definitely working all the time, so long as you're awake, has become literally the national sport here in the States. And that's really damaging for women because not only that means you will age really fast, that also means that you're giving your body no rest. You will start having symptoms like Mm -hmm. deep anxiety that won't go away. And, you know, having antidepressant pills or getting all kinds of medication in there is only temporary because we know from research that they will wear off. And then you still have to deal with this problem sooner or later. I think for women in, so I would definitely say get the sleep, please. Get the sleep. If you have insomnia, definitely seek for help with Chinese medicine or other practice. In the 50s, I would say the most important thing to look out is low, is body tension, body pain, because when Mm. you hit the 50s is when your movement health really starts deteriorating yes and women if you start yes. having menopause we know our a, a extra estrogen is low and then you will start having like calcium issues and things like that but the most important thing is really get to the root of it if you start showing signs of fingers feeling stiff or like you feel oh i'm just having chronic back tension or lower back pain you need to get to the bottom of it because in Chinese medicine, yes. we say that is basically the kidney meridian starts, the kidney cheese starts decreasing. And yes. that's part of aging. Yes. But the important thing is it's almost common sense. I always say this to people if your tank starts lowering in gas, You'd better start filling it as soon as possible rather than waiting yes. for it just to empty out and then do something because there <laughs> might not be enough gas yeah. to go around when you wait for too long so um yeah, I would say those are the two things I would point out, yeah, yeah, to people definitely,
0: after. and i think I think we realize that the importance of sleep and rest, which are different, but both of those i mean. Yeah, so much the anxiety those of us in who know about chinese medicine know this is about housing the shen in the heart when we sleep so we are resting and caring for the very spirit of who we are and of course yeah. the other side of it is yeah you're right this this pain uh, and getting that that's i mean we know kidney energy and and the body and it's just the The battery of the body, really, is our kidneys. So we want to be taking care of them in every way. So there's both herbs, there's acupuncture, there's certainly Qigong movements, there's foods we should be incorporating that
1: will all support kidney in. So important. Yeah, yeah. I think that Clarissa is like... I like I'm envious of the people of, of people in Sweden who can have access to you and people you know from around the world because Qigong it's such a precious gift Chinese medicine gives to people globally, and how your qi goes how it circulates in your body, how it interacts with the outside environment ultimately decide how you feel as, as a human being, so that is. totally Totally. important, yeah.
0: Yeah, it is. And and that it can do so much. That's why I love qigong. It can work so well for women. I mean, there are now so many beautiful forms of qigong that are specifically for for women. Uh, And then I think when that comes together with herbs, which, of course, herbs have qi. That's what we're really getting. It's not the plant per se. It's the qi like it is what we eat. It's the qi, it's the energy we're extracting, not just, you know, the the movement itself, not just the, the herb as the herb, not the food as the food, but it's the energy that it brings to our bodies. And it's that we're really taking in.
1: Yeah, it's totally true because I think a lot of people in the States, actually, a lot of people don't know acupuncture is part of Chinese medicine as well. Uh, it's because of the last century here that it got acupuncture got like, you know, become almost got separated from Chinese medicine. But I think if I must describe the differences, because a lot of people ask the differences, yes. it's really like yes. acupuncture is very powerful, but it's a little bit like a reorganization of what your body already has. What herbal medicine is about now, once you reorganize what's in your body, or in some cases, you're so chronic, your illness is so chronic, and you're so deficient, it's really about adding new things to your body and incorrect some of the balance. So it's there always is a yin and yang in Chinese medicine. So I think, um, yeah, it's very important to nail that.
0: Yeah, it is important, and I think it's the ability to blend these different parts of Chinese medicine and together, which is, which for people who don't know, is qigong, is herbs, it's acupuncture, it can be Chinese massage. Not very soothing, but very,
1: yeah, <laughs> but very good. Twenty-nine, unfortunately, is uh, Tuina. It's, it's 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 a little bit painful, but. You know, guangsha, which is part of Chinese medicine, is really wildly yeah. popular now in the state. Other people use yes. it mainly for yes. like dermatology reasons. So it's you can incorporate really different things. But I think the fundamental thing yeah. that what we are trying to say here is really for women, most importantly, you know the best, you know, more than me, more than Carissa, more than your MDs, what is going on with your yeah. body. And you need to document that. So if something is not right, you come to the right people and we will go through that. But definitely believe in yourself and don't feel that you shouldn't be talking about something because you feel embarrassed or you feel like this is odd. Uh, Likely there is a reason for it in Chinese medicine. There always is.
0: I love that. I think that's a great place for me to invite you, Jiaming, to tell people about how they can connect with you and and learn more about the wonderful work you're doing with Chinese herbal medicine and more. Thank
1: you, Clarissa. So fortunately, I have clients based in Europe, so I see clients globally, which is why we are doing we do a special one hour a consultation that combines Chinese medicine with health economics, data gathering techniques. Uh, People can connect with me by following us at at KUNHealth. That's our Instagram handle. Alternatively, you can also go to our website. It has all other possible ways of connecting with me at www.kun.health. All people are always welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn, just my name. J-I-A-M-I-N-G, last name is J. You, in fact, that's how Glory's saying I connected because I stalked her. It is. Yes. <laughs> Which is great. I <laughs>
0: we're going to put that in the show notes so people Thank you. can connect and reach out. I am so grateful for this conversation that we've had. And I lo- I just love your passion, your energy, and this combining of your love of... Um, Chinese medicine and your,
1: your long history in longevity economics. Thank, thank you, you so you. much, Gloria. So the, the pleasure is all mine.
0: Thank you for listening to Thriving Through Menopause. If you like this podcast episode, please hop over to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com, and rate and review it. And thank you if you do that because it helps others to find the show. Want more news and views on perimenopause and menopause? Then sign up to my weekly newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Thank you once again for listening and see you next week for another guest interview helping you to thrive through menopause.